This podcast is brought to you by Save Amarillo Pack, asking you to vote against Propositions A, B, and C in the November Amarillo Municipal Bond election. Amarillo is broke. We don't need more debt. For more information about the bonds or to support Save Amarillo Pack, visit SaveAmarilloNow.com. Political ad paid for by Save Amarillo Pack, Hobart Brown, Treasurer. This is the Live in West Texas podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Warren, and thank you so much for being with us this week. Now, on to the program. Thank you again for joining us this week on the Live in West Texas podcast, and we are excited to welcome the Republican nominee for the United States House of Representatives in Texas's 23rd Congressional District. He is Tony Gonzalez, and It probably is one of the most marquee races in Texas this year, the race for the United States House in District 23. And we're going to talk about what makes that race so interesting in just a moment. Uh, But before we get started, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great. You know, we're, uh, I'm in San Antonio right now. We uh, took a little break from block walking to, uh, to knock out the interview. And then we'll get back to it. Well, I really do appreciate you uh, doing this with us. You know, I know that it's a, a uh, very important race. I know you're a very busy guy during all of this, and that's a large district too. District 23 is uh, relative to some of the other places in the state, so it's a lot of ground to cover. But there's a lot of issues we could talk about with District 23. But before we get into everything that's going on in this race, uh, why don't you just tell our listeners for a moment why did you decide to run for Congress in the first place this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, it boils down to I love this country, and um, I believe America is being torn apart, and it just tears at me that that is happening. Um, you know, my story is um, at two months old, my, my father abandoned me. Uh, my mother remarried, and it was a very abusive relationship. I remember uh, kind of growing up in a battered women's shelter. Uh, at seven years old, I go live with my grandparents. And they pretty much raised me in a small, small town, Camp Wood, uh, about three hours from San Antonio. I go back to live with my mother and nothing really had changed. So I've lived on my own since I was 15 years old. Um, you know, I'm a half credit away from graduating uh, high school and my grandfather, who is essentially my father, passes away. So uh, kind of down this spiral I go. You know, I praise God that he pulled me out of that. And he sent me on my journey. Um, you know, I joined the Navy without a high school diploma. I came in as an E1. And 20 years later, I retired as an E9. Uh, that's a Master Chief. And now I'm finished on my PhD. So, so my story is the American dream. No matter where you start in life, you can finish somewhere very different. And I think it's important that we have representatives in Congress that can highlight that and bring the country back together unify us vice continue to divide us uh so considering your military experience and your community experience what do you think qualifies you the most out of the entire field of candidates running in district 23 to represent that district 
you know, one, I'm from the district. I, I grew up here. I'm raising my family here. Um, and, you know, this district, it's massive, kind of what you highlighted. It's 29 counties. It's larger than 30 states. It goes from San Antonio to El Paso, 800 miles of border. And, and that's just the ge uh, geography behind it. It's very diverse in its people. You know, you've got the kind of urban areas of San Antonio and, and the outskirts of the lower valley there in El Paso County. And you've got very rural areas out in West Texas and kind of throughout. And people are just different. So it's important that a representative kind of be able to, to highlight that and, and honestly be a voice for everyone. My, uh, my opponent, you know, she doesn't, she, she's an elitist. She, she doesn't kind of spend time in the district. She has, she has property in DC. She's backed by Nancy Pelosi and this, she's a professional candidate. Um, that's not South and West Texas. Um, at the end of the day, like folks, maybe Democrats, they may be Republicans, independents, but they're conservative in their values. And I believe I'm the best candidate that can represent their value system. So we mentioned a moment ago, you know, it's a large district and it has been highly competitive in some past election cycles. Uh, so I was just wondering, could you highlight for our listeners, what are the challenges of running in a district that always has national attention like District 23? Do you find it to be a challenge dealing with uh, influences from, like you said, Nancy Pelosi and national politicians? Or do you think that uh, your ability to connect with voters on the ground through things like block walking is really what makes all the difference? You know, the beautiful thing about Texas 23 is because it's such a close district as far as Republicans and Democrats, the people get to decide. Yes, there's all these outside influencers, and they come in and, and they, they have a role to play in that. But at the end of the day, the people are the ones that kind of can look past that. And that's what we've done is we've gone to areas that traditional Republicans haven't gone to, and we fought for votes, not by changing the message at all, by continuing the message of free enterprise, limited government, protecting the sanctity of life, protecting the Constitution, supporting our veterans, supporting our law enforcement. We've just shown up. And that's the biggest difference between my opponent and I. She doesn't show up. You know, she she's kind of hold up. There, it's like a Biden effect. You know, hold up. Uh, they do a weekly uh, Zoom, and, and that's it. Like that. This district does not deserve a virtual representative. It deserves somebody that's going to show up, listen to the issues, and the issues may be different, and be able to represent the people of District Twenty Three. Uh, so probably the issue of the year is COVID nineteen, and I want to talk here in just a moment about how Congress is going to move forward with economic recovery and issues like that that are related to COVID-19. Uh, but just from your point of view, how has COVID-19 changed running for office? Because, you know, your campaign is, it was started before the pandemic hit, and now we're in the middle of a pandemic, and it's changed a lot of industries. Uh, but for you as a candidate, how has COVID-19 changed your campaign and the way you're connecting with voters? So I'm, uh, I spent 20 years in the Navy uh, as a cryptologist. That's a cyber guy. And I always 
look for opportunities to infuse technology into the equation. And technology is always changing. So you have to be adaptive. And uh, that's what we've done in this campaign. You know, at the very beginning of the pandemic, and honestly, even still to today, people are hurting. A lot of people are hurting. And they're just trying to survive, whether it be their, fam- their, their families, their businesses, their communities. Everyone's just trying to get through it. And what we've done is kind of a hybrid. Yes, yes, we're utilizing, you know, Zoom and Skype and Facebook Live and all those, all those technology pieces, but you can never replace meeting someone in person. So, uh, you know, we're out block walking. We do meet and greet. You know, I, I have coffee with folks. Uh, we, we do tours. I just toured uh, yesterday, matter of fact, I was in Eagle Pass, and I did a tour of the Texas-Mexico border. And it was, a, you know, with, with, with uh, the, uh, the Border Patrol agents, and we covered things. I say that to go, the issues don't stop because there's a pandemic. And there's really two types of people in this world. There's those that run to the fire and there's those that run away from it. Now, you have to do it safely. You have to be smart about things. You know, you have to follow all the precautions. But at the end of the day, we can't stop. And what we saw in D.C. was Nancy Pelosi just kind of stop everything. And you had a, a Congress that didn't get anything done to begin with, really not get anything done. And that's what my opponent has done, is just kind of follow that lead. Meanwhile, you know, my approach is much more different. It's a, it's a blue-collar, roll up your sleeves, and really get to know people. Uh, so if you were elected to represent District 23 this November, what will be the top three priorities that you want to address in your first term? You know, my, my campaign is built upon pushing for economic mobility. You know, I believe in free enterprise and limited government is what makes America so special. And that's under attack. You know, there's this movement for Green New Deal and Medicare for All and kind of a a government solution by a private industry solution. So my, you know, my top priority is bringing jobs and opportunity to the district. And I briefly gave you my, my bio, my, my life story. Well, the reason I'm running for Congress is because of opportunity. You know, the Navy gave me the opportunity I needed to succeed in life. And as a congressman, I view it, I need to bring opportunity to the district. That's one. Two is veterans. You know, I spent, I spent 18 out of uh, my 20 years at war. So, uh, you know, I fought in Iraq. I fought in Afghanistan. And uh, it's important that we take care of our veterans. As your dog's attacking you. Yeah, he's being a little <laughs> wild, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the other thing is it's, it's, it's as simple as this. It's as simple as just being civil with one another and getting back to, you know, realizing that Americans have more in common than they don't. And it's okay to be different. It's okay to be, have differences. I think it's important that, that, you know, I remain firm in who I, who I am, and I fully support the Second Amendment. Um, I'm 100% pro-life. I fully support uh, law enforcement. Like, those type of things I'll never waver on, but it's okay to sit across the, the table from somebody 
who thinks the exact opposite of, we, of you and have a conversation. Like we need to get back to realizing we are Americans and how do we move America forward? Uh, so let's talk about COVID-19 for a moment, uh, circling back to that issue. This has to be the issue that's dominating the headlines right now. Uh, a lot of people are out of work. Uh, a lot of people are short on income, even if they are still working. Uh, and there are just a lot of general concerns about how we move forward from here, both from a health standpoint and from an economic standpoint. As far as your point of view is concerned, do you think Congress is doing a good job at responding to COVID-19? If you were a congressman, what would you be doing differently today? And where do you think we go from here on this virus and the economic issues we're seeing because of it? Yeah, I go back to everyone is just trying to survive, you know, and and they're trying to make their way through things. At the end of the day, we have to safely get back to work. We have to safely get back to school. We have to safely get back to church. And we have to safely reopen the border. You know, um, I told you, I told you our district has, uh, my district has over 800 miles of Mexican border. Well, places like Maverick County, where Eagle Pass is, they've lost $248 million of retail revenue due to the closed border. And places right next to them, like Valverde, have lost $58 million of retail revenue. Like those types, that can never be replaced. The longer we kind of have this shutdown, the longer these communities are, are under attack and, and stress. Um, you know, can Congress do a better job? Yes, absolutely. First, Congress needs to do its job. You know, they need to, to, to get to pass the, the, the bills needed in order to get things moving again. And Nancy Pelosi's, you know, proxy vote, you know, the idea of just giving somebody your vote is dangerous. And it's exactly what my opponent has done. She's a proxy candidate and at the end of the day won't represent our values. So in another issue that's important all over the state of Texas, uh, whenever there's election in Texas, you know, something is discussed, but I think it's even more relevant in District 23. Uh, that is the issue of immigration. And there's a lot of discussion about uh, immigration reform. I think many Americans agree we need immigration reform. Uh, it's been kind of difficult, though, to get consensus on where we go on that issue. And so uh, from your point of view, what do you think needs to be done about immigration reform to move that issue forward in the country? So we're kind of stuck right now in a spot that is either, are you for the wall or against the wall? And it's very frustrating for me, and I think a lot of others that, that want to look past that and go, look, uh, we can all agree that we need a secure border. That should not be a partisan issue. We should all agree that we want to have a thriving economy. And here in Texas, our neighbors of the South, Mexico, I mean, we have a very unique bond that go well beyond that border. And I would love nothing more than the conversation to shift from are you for the wall or against the wall to are you for legal immigration? Because like you stated, I think most people would agree, yes, I am for legal immigration. You know, we need to know who's coming into our country. But if they're here to live the American dream, then come on. And if they're willing to work and help, you know, improve their community, their families, then that's part of it. At the end of the day, we have politicians that 
don't want to tackle tough topics. They'd rather fight over topics that should that we should not be fighting. We shouldn't be fighting over the postal service. We shouldn't be fighting over healthcare. We shouldn't be fighting over defunding the police. I mean, these, these, some of these issues they've turned into partisan issues where they really should not be. Well, so on an issue related to that, you know, the conversation has shifted to the wall, uh, and that is uh, one of the big things that is driving the conversation on immigration right now. Uh, do you support the wall? Do you think that's something that needs to be in the public dialogue right now, or would you prefer to find other ways to secure the border? So literally yesterday I was on the border uh, yet again uh, touring with, uh, with the Border Patrol. We were, going, uh, we were going over kind of the specifics on different things. Um, here's the thing. Walls work, but a wall alone will never make us secure. So my position has been, you know, a wall in high-trafficked areas. That makes sense. Uh, but the reality is we need more resources for the men and women on the ground that are doing the work, Border Patrol, ICE, DHS. But even that's not enough. we got to add technology into the equation. It's a multifaceted approach. But yet again, I mean, I bring up the topic of, of uh, immigration reform because the underlying issue is that. So it's a really, it's a, it's a complex issue that, you know, we're not even, we're not even discussing that needs to be kind of handled in multifaceted uh, uh, ability to do that. So if you're elected, it is possible the Democrats still could control the House uh, when you come in as a freshman member of Congress. And so do you think that uh, there could be a package. Do you think there's potential for an immigration reform package to be put forward uh, that could win bipartisan support to get passed in the House? You know, the country is so divided right now. Uh, Congress can't pass anything. I mean, literally nothing. They're just so dug in, and they're more focused on who's going to get political wins than what's in the best interest of America. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm running in this, you know, running for Congress. I've never served in public office before, but I've always served this country. You know, I spent 20 years uh, defending the Constitution, believing in the Constitution. And we need to get back to having members on the Hill that can do that, that are problem solvers, that can bring people together for the betterment of everybody, not for the betterment of a political agenda. Well, let's uh, switch to another key issue right now in this country, and that is the issue of gun control. Anytime we have a candidate on our podcast who has anything to do with an election that could affect gun control, this question always gets submitted from our listeners. And so I'm curious, just broadly first, and I want to talk about some specific issues related to this in a moment, but just, and it's an overview of the broad issue of gun control. Uh, do you think that we need new gun reform legislation passed in this country? So I believe in the Constitution. Uh, the Constitution works. I think the minute we start to try to strip away our rights, uh, it'll never end. And what worries me is if we start to tackle the Second Amendment, you know, the First Amendment is next, and then the Tenth Amendment, and then it'll, it'll never stop. 
you know, there's a deeper issue kind of at hand and it's really mental health and, and nobody wants to talk about it because it's, it's, it's costly and there's no real solution to it. But the, the reality is everybody deals with mental health issues at some point in their lives, whether it's relation, relationships, finances, work, I mean, you name it. So the fact that we don't talk about it is, is kind of step one, that mental health awareness. You know, I served 18 years, uh, 20, I served 20 years, 18 of that was at war. Well, a lot of, a lot of the men and women I served with, you know, they, they weren't on one deployment or two deployments. They were on seven, eight, 10 plus deployments. So there's, there's some issues. And here's the thing. Veterans are not victims. They don't want to be considered victims, but there has to be a way in which we can talk about things and get folks the help that they need. You know, I mentioned all that to go, you know, people want to go, are you for guns or taking away guns? But it, it, it's much deeper than that. It's, it's, it's not one, it's, do you believe in the constitution? That's where the, that's where the conversation should start. Do you believe in the constitution? And two, it should go, well, what, how do we tackle the issue, you know, more than just on the surface? So, well, you mentioned the veteran issue and, uh, I'll circle back to uh, another gun control topic in just a moment. But on the veteran issue, you mentioned the mental health care, and that is very important. And that's a conversation that probably should come up more than it actually does in an election cycle. Uh, so what kind of reforms do you think we need to see in the VA system in this country? You know, one of the things I'm proud of is uh, when I when I served on Capitol Hill, uh, we were able to pass the VA Accountability Act. And uh, that was under under uh, president's first year in this administration. And what that did, it allowed the VA to fire bureaucrats that weren't doing their job. You know, you think, why do you need a bill for that? But it really was the log jam. You could not fire people regardless of what happened. So I think, you know, that was beneficial. That was a way to kind of help clean up the VA. At the end of the day, it is about giving patients the right. You know, give them the opportunity. You know, Veterans Choice uh, is a great program that I think makes sense. You know, at the end of the day, this should not be about you will go here. It, it should be about allowing the patient the choice to seek health care where they see fit. Uh, I think that's a big part of it as well. The other thing is, is incorporating, incorporating nonprofits. You know, there's nonprofits and faith-based organizations that are really outside the, the government sphere that just do God's work. They just are, are really impacting communities. And I think we need to support them as well. Uh, well, let's circle back to another gun control topic for just a moment. And I appreciate you, uh, you know, following me down that uh, rabbit hole for just a moment on veterans healthcare, because I do think that is a really important issue. So I'm glad we were able to discuss that, but on the gun control issue, circling back to that, how do you feel about red flag laws? This is a, a conversation that we hear a lot at election time. Uh, do you think that's something that's constitutional? And do you think that's something uh, that needs to be put into place? You know, politicians like to be the hero. And oftentimes, you know, they want to pass a bill that, is, that, that solves all the problems. Well, guess what? We already have a lot of we already have a lot of bills that are signed into law. 
It's about executing the laws that already exist. It's about looking deeper than, you know, a lot of times there isn't a legislative solution to a problem. It could be a morality issue. It could be, you know, cultural. There's a lot of, a lot of things at, at hand there. What worries me is if we start to strip away individual rights, it'll never end, right? And, and it could be, you know, right now we're talking about, about, uh, about firearms, but it, it may never stop. At the end of the day, I look back at the Constitution and the framers' intent behind it and ensuring that that remains fully intact. As long as we start there, I think we're in a good spot. Well, so let's talk about this issue for a moment. Um, that is dealing with getting Republicans elected up and down the ballot in Texas. You know that Democrats are spending a lot of money in the state right now. Uh, one race is, well, it's your race in District 23, but we're also seeing it in state house races, other congressional races across the state. Uh, so as the Republican nominee for District 23, how are you going to work to help get Republicans elected to other offices in your district and across Texas? So uh, I'll give you a little example of what I'm dealing with, and then I, I will talk about how we can all kind of fight back against it. So my opponent last last quarter raised eight hundred and twenty three eight hundred sixteen thousand dollars. I mean, it's an astronomical amount. Out of that amount, five thousand dollars was from the district. I mean, everything is San Francisco, Boston, New York. It's all outside money. So what happens when you get outside money? You you're not getting the support of Texas. You take that money. And then you get on TV and you shift, you, you craft your message. So you almost pull the wool over people's eyes. Meanwhile, on our side, you know, I raised 416,000, worked my tail off. Over 200 of it was from the district. Over 300 of it was from the state. If a person gives me $1 and they're in the district, then I have their support. They're in. They're all in. And up and down the ballot, we have to just work together. You know, I was mentioning that I was block walking earlier. You know, there's nothing, there's no uh, golden goose behind winning. It's about hard work, rolling up your sleeves and just getting, getting in front of voters, you know, time and time again, getting in front of voters and not changing your message, just sharing your message. Because the other side has gotten very radical. You know, my opponent is for Green New Deal and Medicare for All and and uh, government-funded abortion, just radical positions. At the end of the day, we elect Republicans up and down the ballot by working hard and supporting excellent candidates, you know, wherever they are within the state. Uh, so for any voters who are listening to this, who they might be saying, you know, I'm kind of undecided on District 23. I really like what Tony Gonzalez has to say. I'm just not 100% sold yet. Why don't you give them your elevator pitch right now? Tell them why you are the best candidate to send to represent them in the United States House of Representatives for District 23. People have forgotten that members of Congress are there to represent us. And I am running to represent District 23. I'm a servant leader. I've been a servant leader my entire adult life. 
I retired as a master chief. The whole role of the master chief is to take care of others and put others first. You know, my opponent is an elitist. My opponent is backed by Nancy Pelosi's kind of dark groups that focus on just leading from the ivory tower. We can't afford that in District 23. We can't afford that in Texas. We can't afford that in America. Everything is at stake. You know, I'd ask that you please learn more about me. Go to my website, TonyGonzalezForCongress.com. Go to our web, our Facebook, Tony Gonzalez for Congress, Twitter, Tony for Texas, or heck, even give me a call, 210-840-8202. Would love to continue the conversation. Tony Gonzalez, we really do appreciate you coming on here uh, today with us. It's a very important race in District 23, so if you are in District 23, make sure to check out Tony and uh, find out more about the candidates and make sure, most of all, most importantly, that you get out and vote on November 3rd. Election Day is November 3rd, and I believe early voting starts on October the 13th. So please make sure you get out and vote. Uh, But like I said, Tony, thank you so much for being with us, and we wish you all the best on your campaign, sir. Yeah, no, I appreciate the time. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Everybody, you know, God bless, and have a wonderful day. Thank you very much to my listeners and to my guests this week, as always. For those of you who want to learn more about what's going on in the Texas panhandle, we encourage you to go to www.amarillopioneer.com for all of your local news needs, including election coverage and what's going on in your communities. Amarillopioneer.com or Amarillo Pioneer on social media, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you check. Until next week, thank you very much for joining us, and we hope that you have a wonderful West Texas week.